There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to another episode of At The Margin. Energy prices are on everybody's mind lately since the Ukrainian conflict began. And electricity markets have come under fire at a European level, uh, with Ursula von der Leyen saying that they are no longer fit for purpose. Presumably, this comment is in reference to the fact that wholesale electricity markets operate by setting the price at the cost of the most expensive unit to generate at a given moment in time. In normal times, this guides good decision-making, but it has had the side effect in recent moments where we've seen really high electricity prices of creating windfall profits uh, for certain firms, certain generators that are operating. So the key question is, when it comes to electricity markets, is there a way to reduce these windfall profits, maybe transfer these returns or economic rents to consumers, be it through a direct transfer, such as a lump sum transfer, or be it through bringing down prices. There are many options on the table on how to maybe solve this conundrum, but the big issue is how do we achieve that out- outcome without interfering with the efficient o- operation of the market? One key point about electricity markets is that they're really complicated, and a good market design brings about the right generation at the right time. So this is important in the short term to make sure we have the right set of generators uh, generating electricity, but in the longer term, it's important for things like decarbonisation. We want to have the right portfolio of wind and renewables alongside storage, alongside flexible generation that can kick in when we don't have the wind blowing. Uh, a good market decides these quantities for us. If we change the rules slightly, well, then we're opening up the possibility that we don't get quite the good mix that we would want uh, going forward. And there are many other potential unintended consequences of uh, changing the rules. So that's the problem I suppose it's faced with European decision makers right now. There's a lot of meetings going on about how do we solve this problem whilst minimising any potential negative consequences uh, in terms of the market operation. In this episode, I'm joined by Bram Kleiss, Senior Advisor with the Regulatory Assistance Project, to discuss these various options and the, the various proposals that are on the table through this lens of how do we maybe perhaps minimise the, uh, uh, the possibility of unintended consequences. The Regulatory Assistance Project is an independent global NGO advancing policy innovation and that's the perfect CV, I suppose, for somebody to discuss how do we innovate policy in a way that maybe perhaps uh, limits any negative consequences. That group, uh, Bram and colleagues, have reviewed potential options to solve this energy market conundrum and have put forward some proposals of their own, which we will discuss alongside some that are perhaps considered at an EU level and are in the public domain. Okay, a longer introduction than usual, but I'll leave you to our discussion with Bram. Thanks a million for agreeing to speak with me about you know wholesale markets, and it's something that that's you know topical at the moment. We're seeing the rising energy prices, and there's a lot of pressure, I suppose, at a European level and at national level to try and maybe do something to try and sure like mitigate the upward pressure that we're seeing on electricity prices. And I suppose for a lot of people who aren't familiar with how electricity markets work, it might be useful to explain how we see changes in gas prices and how this translates maybe into high energy prices uh, 
in, in, in domestic markets. So I suppose the first thing to think about is we have a situation where the conflict in, in Ukraine has led to high gas prices and a lot of electricity is generated by gas. But then and then we have this wholesale market, which is sort of behind the scenes. It's where maybe generators would trade with suppliers. And the structure of the market maybe leads us to a situation where we have much higher prices than maybe just the, the core cost would reflect. Maybe you could ex- help us to explain or help us to understand why we have why wholesale markets are structured as they are. Yeah, sure. And, and thanks uh, a lot for having me. Uh, it's a very uh, interesting and, and important debate for um, many, many people and, and businesses that are seeing these uh, crazy price increases and making their, their life and their, their operation um, much more difficult. So um, it's important to understand what's going on and, and also to, to think through possible solutions, of course, or actions that can make a difference. Um, now, electricity is, is of course, um, a, a specific product in the sense that um, the uh, electricity system operator needs to make sure that uh, offer and demand and the, the generation of electricity and uh, how much electricity is needed at any given uh, moment is in balance. Uh, otherwise, uh, the uh, electricity system, electricity system um, gets in trouble. Um, and so the specific challenge of making sure that every second there's enough, just enough uh, electricity um, to, uh, to meet demand um, has led to a market structure uh, in which um, generators, but also other resources like demand side, flexibility, storage, um, trade part of their business in the longer term um, and uh, another part of their business in the, in the short term. Um, and it all kind of comes together uh, in real time uh, when, uh, when offer has to meet demand. Um, now, due to the many different uh, sources of um, technologies to, to make electricity um, and also the involvement of, of the demand side flexibility, which is increasingly important, um, it's very important to make sure that all of this is happening as cost efficiently as possible, as, as cheap if you want, but of course that's a uh, a difficult term these days, but still um, as cheap as possible. Um, and so at the end of the 90s, we uh, in Europe started to uh, move away from uh, the more centralized and um, uh, centrally managed uh, uh, price formation systems that many uh, European countries had and um, went towards a um, market design that really uses the uh, the markets for what they're good at, which is um, forcing everybody that participates in a market to come up with an honest price, um, and making sure that um, the um, yeah, the cheapest combination is is used to meet a certain space electricity demand. Um, and so the way that we're doing this, and and this is not unique to electricity, but it's definitely needed for electricity markets. Uh, is that you kind of make everybody, every market participant bid um, the marginal cost, so the, the minimum cost that they need to um, deliver uh, a unit of energy electricity in the market um, without giving them the incentive to um, exaggerate. Uh, you You don't want them to kind of bid up because they start spe- speculating what others are going to do. You, you make them um, tell you uh, as a market operator uh, the, the minimum that they need. And then you rank everybody uh, from cheapest to more expensive. Um, and you deploy uh, the uh, resources that you need exactly to meet uh, the, the demand up to um, the, the demand curve, where the demand curve kind of meets uh, the, uh, the, the all the offer um, uh, options. It's I always think of um, electricity markets as like I don't know, I don't play rugby in your part of the world, but a rugby team. So rugby is like 
sport where people always say traditionally it's where everybody can um people of all shapes and sizes and we have generators of all shapes and sizes and at each moment in time we want to make sure that we have those who are the best can serve the demand can can meet the demand that we need at the right moment in time and do it at least cost so we have the best team basically playing at any moment in time and uh we but we need to know truthfully what their actual cost is and as you're saying the current market structure allows us to identify that right exactly and that, that's really important um so and and we'll get to gas in in two seconds uh, but so that it's it's this whole structure um makes sure that nobody has the incentive to to exaggerate uh to their ask um other systems that we had before in europe um uh, did have that incentive it, it relied more on kind of bilateral information exchange between uh, regulators and and market uh, participants and um those those companies those market uh, participants uh, electricity generators always know much better their own books than than any regulator is ever going to be able to to uh, to discover and so there's a huge uh, information um uh, imbalance um and, and and that uh, led to higher electricity prices than that was optimal. Um, now under the current system, you do have uh, that transparency uh, and uh, and um, uh, the um, uh, guarantee for more cost efficient uh, dispatch using the different resources, the best team as you call it, uh, to uh, to score the goals. Um, and so, um, but then the kind of final bit is that you cleared the market that you set the electricity price at uh, the um, last resource that you that you dispatch. And so the most expensive one in the uh, order, in the merit order, mm. uh, which is the ranking from cheap to expensive of the different resources. So the, the last one that gets dispatched, the most expensive one that gets activated, uh, sets the price for everybody that um, comes ahead of them. Yeah, I think I think it's key that that's the key thing that leads to people acting truthfully. So like if, if for example, I'm, I'm, I'm at a moment in time and I'm being asked, okay, you want to generate X amount, X units of electricity. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, the bid I pr- place will determine my profits. I'm going to take that into account and I'm going to find the point on the, where it's, it's best for me in terms of the trade-off between, well, it's a less, if I go up my bid, it's less likely I'll get, I, I'll get the dispatch, I'll get to sell my electricity. But if I do sell, I'll sell at a higher price. So I'm no longer in the world of just revealing truthfully. Whereas if the my price is more or less decoupled from the the bid I, or the probability of success, well, then I'm more likely to bid truthfully. And that's why this sort of system works because I don't have this incentive to maybe increase my bid. I, I'm going to be truthful. And then we, we from these truthful bids, we can figure out what's the least cost dispatch. Exactly. Um, and so um, today, of course, in many instances, uh, the last unit that gets dispatched is, is a gas power plant. Uh, and gas is very expensive. And so electricity made from fossil gas, from natural gas, is very expensive. And that yeah. uh, is the cause for the high electricity prices that we see. Now, mind you, that is not uh, 24-7 the case. There's, of course, still important variation throughout the day and throughout the week of electricity prices. You can see that uh, in every country, in every um, electricity spot market, um, there's going to be cheaper and more expensive hours. Um, And that is just depending on uh, the the demand at that time, the the exact mix of resources. Is there a lot of sun? We've had a very sunny summer. Uh, so traditionally, in the middle of the day, prices would go down. So you you do still see uh, the impact of um, changes in the um, electricity generation portfolio, and, and notably the impact of uh, renewable energy, um, and solar and wind, uh, on the electricity prices. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's important. But uh, that being said, uh, the uh, high gas prices do, of course, dramatically uh, push up. Uh, the um, uh, electricity prices, um, and um, especially in the winter, where we where we face the risk of having scarcity um, in Europe, uh, so not having enough gas. I suppose a lot of people would be familiar with their um, like the retail bill and the retail bill that like our electricity suppliers. That's 
they have to buy that electricity from the market and the the price that they have varies throughout the day and throughout different months and different times of year so as you're saying in some periods are more affected than others by by gas by high gas prices it's not every minute of every day but it's whenever it's usually maybe times where there's high demand and then that's when gas more likely tends to kick in and if gas prices are higher well then it's going to have a much more exaggerated effect exactly yeah i mean before we would have uh, coal uh, at the margin uh, so being uh, the uh, the, the marginal producer them uh, more often than than it's now uh, definitely the case. Yeah, um, and gas would be uh, below <clears throat> below them, uh, but um, yeah, the current gas prices. Uh, yeah, now that just that that's more in the European context. I suppose a lot of Irish people listening in an Irish context, gas tends to be at the margin more often. But yeah, well, definitely it's almost at the margin now. But um, uh, no, absolutely, it's 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 worth bearing in mind. Um, but so I suppose the big question then is, you know, under normal circumstances, we have a situation where the margin unit sets the price and that guides truthful bidding and that helps us make sure the right generators are performing at the right moment in time. In the short term, the system runs more efficiently. In the long term, it has important incentives as well, because if there's moments of high prices, well, then that sort of tells the market, well, you know what, we need this type of generation and the guides investment in the long term. So it has these where, you know, if, if we had perfect information, we could do this ourselves, but we don't know the ins and outs of different firms and different technologies. So the market helps to, to, to make up that, that difference for us. But now we're in a situation where the prices are much, much greater and I suppose the argument is, well, we've we've exhausted all the benefits of these price signals, and now we're into a situation where maybe it's you know the costs, the distributional costs are perhaps exceeding the benefits. And is there something that we can do to to, to alleviate that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think in in absolute terms, uh, the, the markets are giving are telling us uh, a few things. Um, First, it's very, very urgent to save energy as much as possible, and gas in particular. And so, as you know, gas is much more used for uh, heating uh, than for uh, power generation. So a lot of focus is is going there and and should also go there. Um, People and businesses are saving energy, um, uh, but um, uh, governments should support that more. Um, And then the other uh, uh, signal that markets are are giving us is that uh, it's really important to um switch fuels uh to uh, move away from fossil gas uh hopefully not too much and only temporarily to to things like uh, coal and oil mm. um and, and more towards towards renewables and uh, especially also look for uh resources that can um fulfill uh, the role that gas power plants are playing in the electricity system today uh, which is providing flexibility uh, being able to really quickly uh, respond to changes in, in on the demand side uh, or uh, uh, renewables uh, varying throughout the day. Um, so the high prices definitely give investment signals in that direction. Mm. Um, but of course, the, the, the war uh, situation that uh, we find ourselves in uh, also creates a, a very high insecurity um, of, of, uh, of the, of the near, near future. And so I think the effective investment signals that we're seeing only really affect um, significantly compared to before um, investments that are able to be um, rolled out very, very quickly, uh, and meaning uh, in, in terms of weeks and months, um, and have a very quick payback time. And so I think um, uh, examples include, of course, uh, uh, solar PV on, on the roof, um, batteries in some instances so things that you can uh, roll out very quickly um, but we're also faced at the same time uh, with uh, a big uh, bottleneck in 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 terms of the availability of the workforce uh, some supply chain uh, bottlenecks uh, so uh, even though it would make a lot of sense to switch from gas to a heat pump right now um, it's it's not that easy to have that installed quickly um, and so to, to your point, uh, I do think that giving all that, um, the, the market is still giving the right signals, um, but uh, it, its effectiveness or the additional um, benefit of the, the price levels that we're seeing today is probably exceeding 
uh, the social welfare uh, impacts of that. And so we, we should really look at, uh, and of course, governments are looking at that, uh, ways to mitigate very, very quickly uh, the uh, impact on households and, and businesses. Yeah, well, that's nicely sums up, I suppose, the sort of trade-offs here in tackling this problem, because, you know, markets... Markets give us important signals, and as you say, the signal to, to cut back our our, our 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 consumption, and then as, alongside that, maybe to to sw- to try and switch away from from reliance on gas. Whatever this, like these are things we we have to, we should heed basically, and any 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 solution that comes in place, you know, we need to make sure that that, that that's that that's we pay attention to that. Yeah, so I suppose one thing I suppose to take into account there are like there's loads, there's loads of proposed interventions, and some that are that are. Have, you know that are in the public domain in relation to that that are being considered at a European level, and then there are others that maybe perhaps are wide, widely other political types of types of interventions, um, and alongside I suppose retaining the incentive to like I suppose the objective is to try and help households and make sure that we alleviate households to to a certain extent. We also want to make sure that we retain to the greatest, greatest extent possible the incentive maybe to switch towards renewables to, to 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 reduce our demand but also we want to make sure we want to retain the positives of the current mark, market design the the efficient dispatch like what we discussed and then another addition to that is the whole issue of unintended consequences that economists love to talk about that if we make if we make an intervention we want to make sure that we minimise the chance of leaving ourselves open for something happening down the line that we didn't expect to happen or some sort of impact on basically making it more difficult to achieve other other objectives. Um, and I suppose the first one that, that comes to mind in terms of that gets a lot of po- political discussion is that issue of a windfall tax. And um, in, in my mind, I think the, like the windfall tax is because the electricity markets are so complex, the discussion... When you brought us through there, like it is a very complex situation, it's very difficult in my mind to, to to specify a correct to correctly specify windfall tax that doesn't leave us open for uh, unintended consequences. Because how do you levy the tax? How do you design that tax in such a way that you're not going to impinge on certain incentives? To my mind, is 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 quite difficult. I don't know. Have you thought about this at all? Yeah. yeah um, well. I would start by saying that I very much understand where the idea of the windfall profit tax or or revenue cap or uh, some variation of of that um, comes from. So um, we started by explaining how the the merit order and and base cleared and the electricity market works. And um, and it's it's leading to uh, revenue today, uh, which is really exceptionally high for anything but but gas generators. and so I understand and, and support the um, desire to to tackle that uh, somehow, given the pain that it's causing to consumers. Um, but um, there is, it's not that easy to design a, a windfall profit tax, uh, if you're talking about fiscal measures, mm. um, or a revenue cap that kind of exposed intervenes uh, in the um, in the uh, energy markets or in the electricity markets, um, that um, doesn't interfere with um, uh, the specific with the specificities of electricity longer term contracts hedging done by by participants, um, and that doesn't give um, or that doesn't create the risk of. Um, uh, dampening investment signals uh, for uh, for new generation uh, keeping in mind that that is something that we desperately need right? so you're you're intervening on those resources uh, anything but gas uh, that you actually really want to stimulate as much as possible mm-hmm. um, so by intervening by uh, afterwards going in and taking some of the revenue even though it may be may be excessive um, that that is a really uh, that's um, creating a um, a policy risk um, that is of course not that is of course detrimental right now so that's that's problematic um, and you and you don't really know how much the windfall profits really are that, that I think that is one of the biggest biggest problems sure. if you want to be fair 
we really have to dig deep uh, and get very um, open and transparent information and full information uh, about cost structures that are being exchanged in the market. No, I 100% agree in terms of yeah, how do you specify it? How do you figure out where um, where the tax is coming from? Like one one issue is that um, you have a situation where like people contract forward and you don't know what price they're actually receiving. You don't know what their cost structures are. It's very difficult to actually figure out what the windfall is. Sometimes you have generator gen like energy firms with a generation arm and a supply arm, and sometimes there's cross subsidization going on. It's very difficult to identify. It's very difficult to figure out what the repercussions of setting it are. And it's especially very difficult to do in a short time frame. That's that's I think really is is, is the crux. Like I'm it's not necessarily a bad idea if you can do it right. That's the way I would I would I would look at it, but you really need time to figure out of, of getting it right. Um yeah, and and I mean there are of course windfall profit taxes in place in many countries. Um, including my own in Belgium, we have a windfall profit uh, tax. Uh, we call it a nuclear rent on um, uh, nuclear energy uh, that has been uh, written off, and, and there's uh, been an, an ongoing and contentious and difficult um, attempt by uh, by government after government to make that windfall profit tax really reflect uh, what we. What we think is the actual windfall profit on on those uh, nuclear power plants, and um, and that's in a situation where there's actually a give and take, uh, where the nuclear operator, in this case Engie, um, might be interested in extending uh, the their the lifetime um, uh, in return for uh, for a tax. And so even in that situation, we've seen that it's not easy to um, to overcome the um, bigger to overcome the uh, information deficit that governments are, are facing um, to uh, to impose a, a fair windfall profit tax. Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Um, okay, so the one thing that comes to my mind is that w when people think about a situation where we have really high profits, um, and like the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, we need to tax that. But if you just you can intervene in the market structure in a way that achieves the same objective um, in terms of maybe mitigating these windfall taxes, helping alleviate prices for consumers, but perhaps in a way that's less prone to maybe some of the unintended consequences. Now, given all the stuff we discussed earlier, that's still not straightforward. We still need to make sure that we, we avoid the unintended consequences. We avoid, um, you know, affecting the... the, the the, the good incentives that come with a market, but maybe we'll go through some of the issues uh, that, that 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 some of the proposals that are put in place. And I know you and colleagues have put together a proposal. Maybe we'll finish on that one, but we'll go through some of the other ones before that. Um, and I know one one for, one example for ex is maybe say cost plus pricing, where maybe you bid in your cost, and then you maybe you're you're given maybe a portion of of, of a profit, but it's it's conditional on on, on your bid, as opposed to maybe whatever the marginal unit is and then there's maybe a price cap or across the board price cap i don't know if you have any thoughts on how these maybe the pros and cons of these these interventions yeah i mean costs cost plus or or average pricing um which i think is a, is a kind of a variation on on the theme um are what we exactly left behind uh at the at the end of the 90s and because it, it has been shown to lead to um, structurally higher electricity prices because exactly um, operators have every incentive to hide as much as they can uh, without being too um, too blatant about it, but mm. um, hide as much of the cost structure as, as they can, um, driving up their bids um, and getting a guaranteed uh, rate of return from, from, from government or from the system operator. Um, so I think in the longer run, that is that is not going to be um, interesting for consumers, and it's definitely also not a quick fix. Um, it, it's a departure of the current uh, electricity market design, and so it would take years to yeah. uh, to implement. So it's not a solution for this or next winter. So sure. so so essentially, when we had a centrally planned system where it was one 
perhaps government-owned utility. This was the sort of structure we had, and we moved away from that to try and maybe incentivize greater efficiency and, and bring down prices, but we're actually moving back towards that. And yeah, as you say, it's it's a huge intervention. And I mean, I think important to, to realize is that it's also not answering some of the uh, needed investments that we that we that we have to get uh, in this energy transition. Um, it was maybe still somewhat um, understandable when we had a very centralized uh, system with big power plants uh, connecting to the first to transmission and to distribution uh, top top down very much uh, mm -hmm. so centrally uh, organized uh, with a few limited number of big players um, utilities that have a, a monopoly or, a, or an oligopoly um, today what we need uh, is decentralization um, and that what we're seeing is decentralization and a much more active participation of the demand side um, yeah. and so that is, is impossible in a cost plus model yeah that's a very good point I hadn't thought about that but the world is moving towards situ like distributed generation households solar PV etc um, and a centralized structure is very difficult to operate in that in that world and yeah no, that's very true I think it's impossible um, so what you're going to do is go back to a system that where the, the big utilities which are of course still around uh, are going to be um, benefiting uh, but that we're not going to see the flexibility and also the uh, benefits to consumers that um, yeah. that we would actually get under the current uh, market design yeah and one thing as well one of the one of the like okay distributed generation it allows households maybe to to become prosumers produce their electricity and and benefit from that but it also increases competition in the market that you have loads of smaller generators and they're competing and it's no longer the preserve of large firms that you have a situation where you have smaller firms and they can maybe club together and become and become some sort of virtual power plant all this sort of thing can happen that's very difficult to facilitate under this sort of structure yeah and i mean don't get me wrong we definitely need those big firms as well and because we're facing giant investments um it's not just by uh presumers um aggregated together that we're gonna solve mm. this whole energy transition but a healthy mix uh, and competition as you say is, is really key okay and then the other issue is one of of a, of a price cap and this reminds me of the sort of conundrum that comes when we have say capacity markets and we talk about price caps um in that sometimes you might have a situation where at the peak moments say five o'clock or seven o'clock when demand is really high we need these peak generators to come on board if there's a cap on that moment well they only operate maybe infrequently and they need profits during these infrequent moments to to be viable if there's a cap well then maybe we won't won't get as much investment in these sort of situations i imagine the price cap in the context of the current situation would maybe exaggerate that effect or what would be your thoughts on that yeah i think a across the board um price cap uh, would indeed risk yeah investments but uh, even even earlier than that would would risk um not being able to uh, access and to to not be able to um use uh, certain resources because they just happen to be above the price cap um and and they're not going to want to be deployed uh, so uh, which would then potentially lead to uh, to system failure and, and that's of yeah. course not what we want um so a, a price cap across the board on electricity um wholesale markets um is is not a good idea um you also of course lose the efficiency incentive uh, um of course not forgetting what we just said that would actually uh, realizing that we need to do something about the price shock, but it, it is one of the additional uh, downsides of, uh, of the price cap. Um, so I think I don't expect that to come out of the um, of the uh, let's say European political discussions uh, mm. uh, a price cap on wholesale markets. Um, what we might see is um, a cap on consumer prices, um, mm. which is of course something that is already present uh, in um, 
many countries, uh, France, Central Eastern European countries. Um, there's the, 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 the British um, um, uh, um, uh, the price cap system, yeah. Um, but so that which which comes with its own um, whole host of uh, issues. Um, and of course, I think most acutely today comes with a very big cost um, mm. because there's a, a gap between the cap uh, and uh, the actual um, uh, market uh, uh, prices, um, which then needs to be either paid for by, by governments out of, the, out of their budget um, or uh, paid off over a longer time by consumers. Um, so I think even though I understand uh, of course, the, the attraction and the importance, um, it does seem wise to limit it only to those people that really need it if you want to implement it. And so, um, of course, vulnerable consumers uh, getting regulated tariffs uh, is, I think, a, a, an example of where that um, might, play a, it might play a role. Yeah, like I suppose there's two dimensions when it comes to retail price caps. Number one, it's costly and... Secondly, it affects, I suppose, the demand response um, that we need. Like we all need to be, we all need to be cutting back our demand, and prices guide us in that way. And the way I look at it sometimes is, it, you know, every little helps when it comes to reducing demand, and the prices have guide us there. And at least when we're faced with big prices, that decision is in our hands as long as we can afford it, as opposed to maybe if it was rationing, somebody else is making that decision for us. So. That's another consideration, I suppose. Like it, it still, it still hurts people a lot to have high prices, but this is the other aspect to be taken into account. The alternative, sometimes, you know, is also bad. Exactly. Um, but so, uh, um, I think, nonetheless, I think it will be discussed to to introduce um, more um, generic or, or targeted price caps. Um, in addition, of course, and which I think is actually the uh, the better option is to provide. Uh, direct financial support mm. uh, to uh, to consumers, um, not touching the uh, the energy price. Um. Absolutely. So I've been involved in some work on that in terms of targeting those vulnerable. People could listen to the previous episode on 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 exactly that, but we we came to the exact same conclusion in that um, uh, welfare supports and the like towards targeted towards those who who um who are most vulnerable are the most effective way to maybe alleviate uh, these issues. So that's definitely something to. Uh, to be considered. Can, can I just say one more thing about that? Because and even though I, I do I do believe that that is the, the correct way uh, to uh, to look at it, um, we do, of course, also need to realize that um, targeted support or any kind of government um, program to, to help those that are vulnerable um, inherently or, or unavoidably will have inefficiencies in itself. Um, so no government program is perfect and actually um, completely um, reaching those that actually need to be reached. Um, yeah. I think in, in, in Belgium, which I know the best, uh, we, we have a social tariff, which I think is a really great tool. Um, uh, but even then, we still see that an important number of families that could qualify for it don't, don't get it for some yeah. reason. And of course, if you if your only tool uh, to help those people is an instrument, and then that then doesn't actually reach all the people that need it, the ones that kind of fall off the boat are in, in a lot of trouble. Absolutely, no, it's very it's very true. And um, another thing, just when I think of it, is the uh, so the, I suppose the Iberian model, where you have a situation of perhaps capping gas prices and that feeds through into maybe reduced electricity prices you you do it does tackle the windfall profit issue and then you it does bring down prices but i suppose these gas prices are are supported by the public purse and that that's that's quite a costly measure um i don't know if you had you any thoughts on it iberian um mechanism uh caps gas specifically for power generation um so mm. it's the, the um, gas that goes into uh, power plants to uh, generate electricity, and as we've seen, they they set the, the, the price for everybody, and so if you reduce that price, uh, the uh, wholesale clearing price goes down. Um, and um, effectively, what you've seen is that indeed in Spain, 
um, wholesale market prices have gone down compared to uh, the rest of Europe, whereas before uh, they were among the highest. And so uh, in that sense, it's been successful. It comes, of course, with, with again, uh, important um, unintended consequences, if you want, although they, they were predicted, um, uh, which is, first, there's a high cost. And, uh, the, and there's still a difference between what the uh, power generators uh, get under the uh, cap um, and their actual costs uh, from buying uh, gas on the on the international market, and so that differential that 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 gap needs to be um, covered. Um, and in, in Spain, that's uh, through uh, payments from the uh, TSO that then um, the transmission system operator that then um, recovers that cost from uh, the uh, consumers as a levy. And so it, it, that that cost, of course, doesn't uh, disappear. Um, uh, matters are a bit more complicated still in, in Spain because um, there's uh, different uh, types of consumers under regulated and competitive tariffs. And so the uh, additional cost also uh, impacts those different consumer um, types differently, which, which is its own form of uh, distortion, if you, if you want. Um, okay. So there's, there's that. Um, but uh, importantly, also, what we've seen is that since the introduction of the measure in Spain and Portugal in uh, June of this year, um, the gas use for power generation has doubled uh, compared to last year, um, which is logical. Uh, that was perfectly predicted. Um, if you lower the price of something for those that want to uh, buy it, mm. uh, uh, it's going to become more attractive. So they're going to want more of it. Um, and indeed, we've seen um, more gas generation, uh, importantly, more gas generation than, than before in Spain. And that's, of course, again, opposite of what we want. We want to use as little gas as possible because there's scarcity. Um, and ironically, Spain is now importing more Russian gas than it was before. Um, so that's, of course, not, not uh, what we want. Um, and there's, even though they got the whole exception uh, because there's a uh, a very uh, weak connection between the uh, Iberian markets and the rest of Europe. And there's the interconnection both on the gas and on the electricity side is very, um, there's, 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 there's not a lot of capacity on, on there because of the, the Pyrenees. And, um, and so um, even, even with that small interconnection, um, they're exporting as much power as they can to, to France at the moment, which right. is where uh, where some of the additional gas generation is, is uh, coming from in Spain. Yep. France, France, which is, of course, faced with um, gigantic problems uh, because of the nuclear power fleet that is um, uh, out of service for, um, for more than half of its capacity. And, and so France is buying everywhere that they can, um, hopefully, that is going to be uh, resolved soon by by EDF, but uh, mm. it's of course not uh, not an easy task, um, and it's probably, I mean, as the DG Energy the European Commission also points out, it's it's one of the major factors in uh, the uh, price crisis at the moment. In addition uh, to um, to the Russian uh, invasion to Ukraine, that's I, that's an interesting dynamic in that the. The cost of electricity essentially being supported by consumers or whoever it's been levied on in Spain, and that's been sold to France. So they're subsidizing French electricity in a way, which is an interesting dynamic. Um, maybe before we move on, so the whole issue in France, I wonder, have you any more information on that? That could be interesting to, to go through. Like, So, yeah, as, as you know, France is um, the most uh, nuclear um, dependent uh, country in, in uh, in, in Europe, um, and at the end of uh, last year, 2021, um, the uh, uh, the trouble kind of started. Uh, the first factor that uh, led to a lower output than usual uh, was um, the uh, um, delays that they ran into uh, in their operation in their. Um, maintenance schedules for uh, the uh, nuclear power plants, which was due to uh, COVID um, leading to uh, absences uh, or, or uh, not enough availability of, of maintenance crews and 
uh, that was actually having an important uh, impact. But then on top of that, uh, they discovered uh, in the winter uh, of uh, in the past winter, they discovered that there was an uh, corrosion in some of the uh, types of nuclear power plants, um, um, uh, which was of course um, um, problematic and uh, now needs to be checked in all the nuclear power plants uh, of the same type. Nice. Um, and then uh, that was, uh, I think, um, uh, the, the most important um, uh, issue, um, which they're still recovering from. Um, and then the third factor uh, to make matters even worse uh, was uh, the heat wave and drought this summer, um, which uh, led to um, uh, some nuclear power plants having to uh, turn down um, um, production uh, because they couldn't cool uh, their um, uh, their turbines enough um, because the, the the rivers were too too hot. Um, so that is of course um, not specific to France, but it uh, it did also affect uh, them. And I think EDF is now projecting that they might actually get back to full operation uh, this winter, so this coming winter, mm. um, which is a dramatic acceleration of what they said before. So I think there's some skepticism of how true that is, but um, or how, how realistic that is, but um, it is having a very big impact, of course, because France is a very big economy, very well uh, interconnected, um, and is usually in the summer exporting uh, electricity, and now it was importing electricity. Uh, yeah. So, which led again to more gas use um, because uh, that yeah. power had to be generated. So I was, I was aware of the heat wave effects, but not those other effects. It's actually quite interesting. Um, um, okay, so we've discussed the many different interventions. So on maybe the pros and cons. Um, and I suppose there's a few. Uh, I suppose common. Uh, deficiencies with many of them you and colleagues have put together maybe another one another type of intervention to add to this and maybe you could take us through and why perhaps it it might be effective in 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 alleviating alleviating perhaps some of the negatives associated with the high prices but perhaps minimizing impacts on 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 the market's operation yeah, so we, we developed what we call the uh, shock absorber, um, which is um, kind of inspired by uh, similar mechanisms that exist uh, in uh, the, the stock exchange and uh, where uh, if, if um, the market kind of gets out of control, quote unquote, that um, there's a short term intervention uh, to um, uh, let the, the markets cool down uh, and go back to their normal uh, operation. Um, so what our shock absorber does um, is build in um, an, an automatic trigger. Um, and, and the fact that it's automatic is really important. Um, it can become a, a feature of the current um, market design um, that lies dormant until it's needed. Um, and then also again, automatically is deactivated once it's not needed anymore so uh, that it's um, kind of uh, shielded from political intervention uh, let's say it's, it's not a political decision to, to activate or deactivate it um, so uh, it's an automatic mechanism that um, avoids windfall profits to be generated in the first place uh, so it's not it's kind of um, ex ante uh, instead of uh, exposed, you don't have to go and recover um, windfall profits. You avoid that they that they get uh, generated. So um, the trigger is that you monitor uh, how much inframarginal rents, so um, profits, um, uh, uh, the um, generators uh, at the beginning of the merit order are making. So the um, Kind of low cost generators, nuclear, uh, uh, wind, solar, uh, hydro. <clears throat> um, and um, when you see that they've, in a given year, have made a, um, a multiple of what they would normally expect to, to gain in, in, in a year or in any period, um, you install then the second bit of the mechanism, which is a cap 
uh, on the wholesale market uh, prices uh, for uh, anything but gas generators. Um, and you set that cap at the, um, well, you can set it at a predetermined level, or you can say that you set it at um, uh, the level of uh, the um, uh, the most expensive non-gas generator. Um, and um, the big advantage of this is that you don't touch the merit order. So there's still, it's still based on marginal pricing. It's still um, uh, leaving the merit order and dispatch as it was before. Um, but you lower uh, the wholesale market prices dramatically. And then the final bit is, of course, uh, gas, um, which you uh, also cap, but you um, uh, allow for compensation for gas generators uh, if and only uh, if they can uh, prove or it can be demonstrated that they have run um, out of necessity, that they that they had to run to keep the system in balance. And that's something for the TSO, for the transmission system operator, uh, to um, to check. And so if they indeed were running uh, because they had to, then they get their cost back, the TSO pays for that and, and recovers that from consumers. Um, so the, the end effect <clears throat> is that you uh, limit uh, the use of gas to the minimum that is needed, uh, but uh, truth be told, that's probably going to be pretty close to what it is today, um, because uh, everyone is now also doing what they can to avoid uh, gas from from running. Um, but you avoid that that then translates into high electricity prices for for everybody. Mm. Um, so I, we we believe there's there's a lot to be said for that. We we do get um, in, uh, positive feedback on on that proposal. Um, it also made it into um, a list of uh, actions considered by the uh, Czech European Presidency uh, for um, for the discussion this week. Um, but of course, it's it's not it's not ideal. Um, it, it does lower electricity prices, so it, it does impact the efficiency signal. Um, it, it will need to be installed, so it's it's something that will take some time to to be uh, operational. Um, so this winter might might be tight. Um, yeah. Next winter might be feasible, um, but um, yeah, there's there's uh, we think it's more elegant because it it doesn't touch the um, market fundamentals. I need to talk a little bit <clears throat> about the um, advantages of. Uh, the uh, revenue cap in the kind of European Commission proposal, mm. um, which is now also kind of talked about positively by Germany. Um, the advantage there is that you you don't interfere with um, merit order at all, um, and uh, uh, you also leave the price level at, at at the level that it was, which is good for efficiency and demand side flexibility. Um, so there's, I think those are the two things that you have to kind of weigh against each other. Um, the downside of the uh, revenue cap is that you have to make sure that the revenue that you raise also uh, reaches the people that, that need it, which is a very big challenge. Um, and you also face many legal and other uh, market uh, issues and barriers. Yeah. So, which, which is why we, we think it's uh, difficult to implement. Um, but we need to be aware of of the of the, the reasons why people actually uh, do look at it positively. Um, the, uh, on our proposal, on the other hand, avoids some of the downsides uh, that the, the revenue cap has. Um, but it does come with the complexity of having to deal with uh, that residual gas generation um, and making sure that that is still done in a, in a cost-efficient way. I think there's also a bit of a, a risk that uh, political risk that we get all enthusiastic, made enthusiastic about um, changes to the electricity market design, um, and get get lulled into thinking that the issues are being tackled. But then, in reality, it's going to take many months or years to actually implement, um, and actually be too late to resolve uh, the, the, the the crisis that we're in this winter and, and next winter. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very fair point. Um, 
when I when I think of um, like the whole crisis we're in, like I, I see it in three parts. The first part is like just dealing with the additional cost. Who who how should we distribute that cost across society? And then and that includes maybe welfare adjustments to welfare that sort of thing and then these sort of interventions maybe when it comes to maybe shielding or alleviating the price shock but then the medium to long term medium term maybe try and replace gas get enough gas such as lng and the like and then in the longer term is get off gas and and move towards renewables i suppose is the obvious one but um just maybe last thing just to finish up on from your perspective like you probably know are a bit more familiar with um international fuel markets and things like that and getting do you have any insight into in terms of getting enough lng given the recent announcements when it comes to you know Nord Stream and things like that do you think we're in a good position or, or how does it look from your perspective it it seems um that we're obviously faced with tough competition um from uh, asia asian markets um you know that are um also looking for all the gas that they can get and, and um, offering high prices, um, while at the same time, um, potential suppliers like US um, are having a tough time getting the gas liquefied and, and out of uh, the US to, to Europe or, or other markets mm. um, for all kinds of reasons, including that some in the US actually don't want to export because they uh, want to enjoy lower gas prices uh, in the US, uh, which has been a dynamic for for a long time, a long well ahead of of this crisis. Um, so it's not that uh, easy to um, uh, to to diversify supplies. Um, Germany, the European Commission has has visited uh, Canada. Um, there's now Iran that apparently uh, is uh, offering itself as a um, savior uh, for the gas market, which is, of course, um, definitely not the kind of um, uh, supplier that we want to make ourselves dependent on. Um, but even some of the other uh, suppliers in, uh, in, in the Middle East that are now um, being, being courted are uh, presenting uh, geopolitical risks themselves. Um, and then there's the issue of uh, import uh, infrastructure in, in Europe. Um, it, it's slow to build an LNG terminal. Um, there's floating LNG uh, regasification uh, vessels um, uh, uh, that uh, many countries, including Germany, have uh, contracted for. Um, but there's only so many around. Um, uh, and so um, it, it seems like even though we uh, European countries are doing what they can, um, it just comes back back to us and say, and, and, and uh, we, we, we are faced with the inevit inevitability uh, of having to reduce gas use and, and switching to uh, renewables um, and efficiency and demand side flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Okay, well, thanks a million for your time, Bram. I really appreciate it. And Sherlock will be in touch, I suppose. Um, yeah, very nice meeting you, Neil. Nice to meet you. All the best. Bye-bye. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.